Good day, good folks. You are listening to Talk That Keeps You Woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Potlicker Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I may go one half of Potlicker. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one. A great debater, Mr. Slow Talker, a rhetorician, and an all-around nice guy, and a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The other half of Potlicker is my homie, my dear friend for more than 30 years, Ken Parker Jackson Esquire, the legal one, Mrs. Creativity, never obnoxious, the gifted one, a terrific lady, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Hey, what's going on, KPJ? How was your week? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone. Hello, Dr. A. I am doing well. My week was good, busy, um, as usual. And how about yourself? Um, it was a productive week, um, busy week. A lot of things went on. We got a lot to get into so without further ado but before we start remember down at the bottom of the screen for those of you are watching pot liquor show at gmail.com those who are listening p-o-t-l-i-q-u-o-r show s-h-o-w at gmail.com we welcome your comments we need to improve uh but as always we start we start our show off with what we call a wow Words of Wisdom, and this week it comes from Brother Marcus Garvey. A people without the knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. Uh, I believe this is very apropos because of what's going on in the state of Florida. They are trying to do away with every little nugget of black history possible. They're banning the Jackie Robinson book. They're banding uh, Hank Aaron books, little books for kids in the first and second grade. And it really, if you look at it, they're centering whiteness by doing this uh, because they're not getting rid of other books. And, um, you know, they're trying to protect kids. So uh, they're trying to protect young white kids. Um, so, yes, this is apropos. What say you about Brother Garvey? It's also apropos because this is uh, Black History Month where we focus on learning about our past and about our culture. And I think it's essential that we know who we are and from whence we have come so that we can know where we're going. And I think that what Africans have done, Africans can do. And it's important for our children to see all of the wonderful accomplishments and all of the wonderful things that we have added to um, to the success of this country so that they know what the possibilities are. And, you know, it, without that, just like a tree without roots, we cannot grow and we cannot, we'll, you know, perish. And I think that's what they're trying to do is erase our history. And so this is a, a very, very profound quote from Marcus Garvey. I agree. So, uh, 
before we get into what's going on, we'll start off with our first plug. And our first plug today is Pro Wide Tape. So let me open this up. Pro Wide Tape is a tape that you use when you work out. It's called KT Pro Wide. And it really is a, a sticker that you can take off and you can put it over your shoulder, down your shoulder, uh, on your leg, your knee, whatever joints that you're having problems with. Um, I have a ro rotator cuff issue. And so I, I use this for support. It works well. Um, it is disposable and not like you can wear it a couple of days because with the fibers on there, you can wash it. Uh, like it becomes like a part of your skin. You can wash it and um, get the odor out of it. And so the next day, you know, you can go into the gym and use it again. So, yes, that is something that I definitely, I definitely use. With that, being, with that being, what'd you say? You would recommend it. I definitely will. <laughs> and you can get it in uh, Dick Sporting Goods, the Academy, um, basically any sporting store or you can get it in your local grocery uh they should have it how many do you get in a pack and how much does it cost you know i didn't count the many in the pack i think i i know it's like eleven dollars and i think there's like 20 of them maybe oh, okay. 15 to 20. Okay. um so it's it's definitely it's definitely worth it okay. um, if you work out let us move on Okay. So like I said earlier, uh, a lot went on this past week, but we're going to start off with what went on last night, the Super Bowl. Um, Super Bowl. Seventh Super Bowl took place last night in the state of Arizona. And uh, what you say, what do you think about the game that took place? Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles was actually a very good game. I mean, it kept me engaged the whole time. Although, guess what I was doing during the Super Bowl? Cooking? I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I was, yeah, I was multitasking. I was doing a little bit of cooking and I was also doing my daughter's hair. Now I was supposed to be chilling and just focusing on the game, but so I was able, you know, to still watch the game with one eye and multitask with, you know, multitask at the same time. So yeah, it was a good game though. Very entertaining. What did you think? I thought it was a very good game. <laughs> I thought it was unfortunate the call at the end, the flag they threw on Bradbury, um, the holding call. Mm -hmm. A lot of pundits today said the call was right, even though they were disappointed that the call was made. I'm on the side that I'm disappointed that the call was made. I was rooting for uh, Jalen Hurts um, because I'm in Houston and he's a local kid. He went to uh, Channel View High School uh, before he went to Alabama. And... Um, I think a lot of times in the, in the pros and in college, they counted him off. 
but he came back and um, he proved that with hard work, uh, you can persevere, and he has done so. He played an excellent game last night. So basically the Chiefs won by a field goal. Correct. So how does – okay, so if you don't make the holding call, that wouldn't happen? If if you don't make the holding call, they weren't, wouldn't be allowed to run down the clock. They would have kicked the field goal because um, that would have been fourth down, right? Okay. So what that holding call gave them a first down, gave them a, a set of fresh downs which allowed them to use more of the clock. I think Jalen probably would have had 90 seconds. Oh, I see. Instead of yeah. going at Hail yeah. Mary with two seconds, he yeah, would have exactly. Okay. So it would have played out different. Um, okay. They had some, uh, they had, I, th I think they had maybe one timeout left or maybe they didn't, but they had enough time to move down the field and at least tie the game. And put yeah. It in the Okay, gotcha. Um, but that didn't happen. Um, I'm not salty. I'm not mad at uh, Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid. Congratulations to them. Um, but you know, it's, yeah, it's always good when you have a real contest during the Super Bowl. You know. So that wasn't the only thing that went on at the Super Bowl. We had. Some performances, uh, Babyface saying, um, Oh, beautiful. Um, Chris Stapleton, I thought, did an excellent job on the I national. I think so, anthem. too. He told that. That was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, He's been hanging around black people, he got some soul. I was like, Okay, yeah, he, definitely, he definitely has some, some soul, but I, yeah. you know, it's gonna make me check out some of his songs now, exactly. And that's exactly. when the Super Bowl can work for you. Uh, Tell me about it because I don't think nobody gets paid, it's like you get free publicity, yeah. You might get yourself some new, yeah, uh, wider yeah. audience because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's over a hundred million people watch the show and it's watched, you know, around the globe. You know, um, they showed this morning people in Ghana watching it, people in Canada watching it, people in Europe watching it, Germany and all different places. And so it's a big game. It's a big stage. And uh, that was good. Then we had, of course, the halftime show. Yes, Rihanna. But wait, we got to mention my girl, Shirley Ralph. Come on. Gotta give it up for her with the I, the national the I'm gonna national. give it up for her, but I, I thought that was lip sync, you know. Um, even it was still you know, powerful. I, I it was still powerful. She's gorgeous. Her outfit that, was I gorgeous, agree. hair gorgeous. I was I like, agree. yes, give it all to me. I was I was there for all of it. Yes. And and that's that's one of my favorite songs. Uh, of course. I think that should actually be our national anthem myself. I ain't gonna say that. Make the Negro national anthem the national anthem. It's our country anyway. We built it. Let let it let that yeah, be the national yeah, yeah. instead of that racist other Star Spangled Banner song. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's another issue. That's another show. Right? <laughs> uh, so um, yeah. So how do you think Rihanna did? Okay, so I thought the halftime. I love Rihanna. I think she's amazing. She's a billionaire businesswoman and a, a very talented uh, per performer. Um, and so I really enjoyed the halftime show. I made sure I was front and center, you know, full attention. 
um, given to Rihanna's performance and it was well worth it. I, I have to say I enjoyed her being suspended. So that was good to watch with all the background dancers and everything. But I was disappointed with her, her outfit. I know she was, you know, she, this, that was her way of, of showing that she's pregnant again, which is amazing. Congratulations. She's pregnant. And I kept going, she looks pregnant. And my daughter was like, no, I don't think so. I'm like, yeah, I think she's definitely pregnant. And it made me nervous to see her up there suspended, like, you know, that high up and she's pregnant. I'm like, be careful. And because of that, I think she was a little more reserved than she normally is. And she couldn't give us the shaking and the shimmy that she, you know, normally gives us that Caribbean shimmy, you know, that we like to see her do when she performs. But I was just underwhelmed with her, her, her outfit. I wanted more glam. I wanted more hair. And, Isn't you know, red representing something this month? Um, heart health. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Heart yeah. health. I don't know if she did it because of that. And um, I noticed Shirley Ralph had on red too. Red too yeah. So that's yeah, what I but, thought they were doing. Actually. But I want some more fab. And you know, Rihanna is glamorous and she's fabulous. And she, she just, also was pregnant. Yes. But I mean, you can still be glamorous and beautiful and spectacular pregnant. No, so I, I just I, wanted more, you know, with that. That's I didn't, I, mean. I didn't have a problem with her outfit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not Islamic, so I'm not trying to say she should cover her whole body. But I think a lot of times we do have scantily dressed artists, especially you know, women, um, with the exception of Missy Elliott. And I'm not saying that you are saying that she had to be scantily dressed. No. So I want to say that, but. I didn't really have an issue with it um, when she was going up way, 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 way up. I was like, that's too much suspension for me. I know. We were I would have been, like, like, oh, been like, oh, no, no, bring me down. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what? But I have to say, I predicted that she would sing work. Work, 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 work. Yeah. I, and so I was happy to hear her sing that. And I predicted that she would sing Umbrella which she did sing. And yeah. so I liked what, you know, her selection, but we, I was surprised that she didn't have an, uh, like a, what do you a call guest. it? When, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Name. I thought she was going to have one when she had uh, run this town tonight. Hey, hey. I thought that I, was, I thought Jay was coming out for that. I knew <laughs> Kanye wasn't going to come out. I know. Um, right. He's a lightning rod. Um, but I thought Jay and then umbrella too, you know, I thought yeah. maybe we would see Drake. Um, yeah. yeah, but you know he bet on the Super Bowl, right? And he won. Yeah, a million dollars. Yeah. That's crazy. That's nothing yeah. to him, though. He, I know, he but still, he won. A year. So right. he probably got like seven, eight, nine hundred million dollars. So that's so one money. Million, he could have lost. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I, I overall I thought the football. In the Super Bowl, I think this was a good year. I think they did. The, the, the bad part will go to the grass on the field. Everybody was slipping. slipping. So they need, yeah, and, and I've heard, you know, the Chiefs complained about that in the beginning of the year. So um, that was an issue. But, um, and did you get nervous when um, Mahomes re injured his ankle? I was like, oh, he's done. 
No, and I don't, you know, they said he was playing hurt. He wasn't hurt in that second half, not running like that. I'm sorry. Well, my husband said, go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say, my husband said they gave him some good, he was going to get some good drugs at halftime. He'll be all right. That's what he got, too. (laughs) When he ran and he made that 26 yard run, there was nothing wrong with his ankle. When he was running down the field other time, there was nothing wrong with his ankle. They were like, oh, he's gimpy. No, you, you don't run hard like that when you have a high ankle sprain. So just like uh, Luke Skywalker was watching and he tweeted, I want some of the drugs they gave uh, <laughs> Pat Mahomes at halftime. I'll have what he's having, right? Yeah, so it <laughs> was good. Know, it was also good to see DeMar Hamlin. I mean, stars were everywhere, but it was good to see DeMar Hamlin make an appearance um, at the Super Bowl, so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from the top sporting event, uh, we moved to the number one music event. The Grammys took place last week. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Grammys? Okay, so I have to be honest. I didn't watch the whole show. What I usually do is I'll record it and then go back, listen to what everybody else talks about the next day. And then I'll go back and watch the highlights. So like the hip hop tribute, um, Lizzo, see Beyonce receive her award, see um, Viola Davis win her Grammy and, and finally get an EGOT, which is an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and a Tony. So she has an EGOT officially. And she's much, she's very deserving of that because she's a, an amazing actress. And um, I think because of her book that she read, um, you know, the audio, she turned her book that she wrote uh, into an audio book. And so she got a Grammy for that. So that was, that was, that was great. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy seeing the Stevie Wonder performance when they did the, the, uh, Motown tribute. So, what did you think? Mm, I like the hip hop tribute, mm-hmm. but you know, <clears throat> I grew up in New York, and they say it's fifty years. I'm not going to argue with them about that. Uh, but to me, hip hop came out in '79, um, which was six years later. Um, I think hip hop is 44 years old, but I am not the originator of it. But that's when most people started to me started listening to that because disco was hitting hard in the 70s you know donna summer um diana ross you know all of those people like it's my house and i lived in um i'm coming out you know uh bad girl by donna Summer, bgs like you know the saturday night fever uh, but i back to the show yes i thought like and I thought LL did a good job saying, like, we couldn't bring everybody in. But I thought they did an excellent job with the tribute um, to hip-hop. I like that. Yeah, uh, they blackened it up a bit. So, you know, so we would come back. Yeah, they blackened the show up. They got some black people to win some Grammys, you know, so that we would come back. Because I think black people kind of tuned out because we're like, okay, you know, you got... We we don't they don't show black people enough love basically. 
I, you know, I, I. That's what people. I mean, just in general, I know people were saying maybe that over the past couple of years. Um, I watched this Grammys. Uh, Felicia made me watch it, so I sat down and I didn't <laughs> know all of that. What, what was that was going to go on? So it was good. I saw Mary perform. I don't know something looked wrong with. Mary, maybe she had to stand like still because she was on that little platform. Um, but yeah, overall, I did enjoy the show. I did like the acts that took place. So wait, what do you think about the big controversy with, you know, Beyonce, you know, making history and now she's the most Grammy winningest artist of all time. Yeah, but people were 32 Grammys. Yes. And, but people were upset that she didn't get album of the year and that it they, it went to Harry Styles. What did you think of that? I, I mean, he, he probably deserved it. I don't know. Um, I can't say it's not, yeah. I tell people it's not only our music that gets listened to, listened to. Right. Um, and I hear a lot of, you know, people talk about Harry Styles, so I'm not mad, you know, yeah. she, we shouldn't be mad. She got the most Grammys ever. So okay. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. I think Beyonce is going to be all right, y'all. Don't worry about Beyonce. Queen yeah, going to be all right, especially with them. Probably get, wind up getting over 40 Grammys. But, yeah, I thought the show was good. I, I do agree with you um, that they blackened the show out. But, like I said, I wasn't going to watch it. Um, I usually do what you do, go back and just watch the performance. Yeah, um, that you to see, right. Yes. Uh, but you know, I'm glad that I sat down and I watched it. It 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 was cool. And let us move on. Okay, so from the Grammys, we move on to Brother LeBron James, who is the new all-time point leader in the NBA. So surpassing Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Yeah, wow. LeBron did his thing. King James. Yes. The GOAT. So. So some say. So I watched that game. Um, I came home from school. I was like, let me sit up here. Because I, I like big records when they're passed. Mm -hmm. I try to be a part of it because it's history. Um, I remember Cal Rifkin, most games, consecutive games played or something like that. Um just you know different things when people pass yeah you know, break records you're just like oh that's why i was waiting for serena but she just you know her body kind of she gave us all she could and i mean it's still an amazing accomplishment yeah, great great athlete best tennis yeah. player of all time um i do agree with that um uh, do you think lebron is the goat now uh, I agree with Michael Jordan's statement. He says it's hard to compare errors. I think LeBron is one of the most accomplished basketball players of all time. But I still think this man he is getting the ball from, you know, he's not talked about nearly enough. He won three state championships in high school. He won three national championships in college and he won six nba championships he won six mvps uh no you're talking one. about kareem abdul-jabbar yeah, yeah. kareem mm -hmm. abdul 
to those of y'all that are just listening. Yeah. So it's it's just hard. Um, my Mount Rushmore is definitely LeBron, Jordan, and Kareem, and you know, I don't know, Tim Duncan, Shaq, Will Chamberlain. You can put, you know, pick and choose that fourth person. But I think those three are the top three. Bill Russell is no, yeah, Bill Russell won a lot of championships. Uh, he has more more championships than fingers. <laughs> yes, he does. 11. A different time when they played. I believe there was only sixteen teams back then. Mm-hmm. Thirty two. Um, the talent was. You only can play against the people you played against. So, um, and you know, um, I like Bill Russell for what he did off the court. But yeah. you know, Bill Russell was before both of our times. So. Yeah, but I guess he's just fresh in my mind because I was watching his documentary on Netflix and I just I'm found wondering. it fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, so check it out if you can. But yeah, it was fascinating. He's an amazing man. Um, but back to LeBron. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be um, a debate for, for some time now going forward as to who is the greatest of all time. But this is definitely um, another notch in his belt um, with regard to that age-old argument of who's the greatest of all time in basketball. I I think when he retires, he he probably will be considered the greatest of all time. Um, I know they're trying to judge by championships and things of that nature. But if that was the case, Kareem should still have it because he won six NBA championships. Yeah. And I think they kind of put him on the spot, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and asking him like, so how does it feel to have somebody to break your record? You know, like trying to make it seem like it, well, he's he knew that was about it. Yeah. 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 And he's, and he described it as it's kind of like I won. It's kind of like winning the lottery for a billion dollars and that's great. And then someone comes along and wins the lottery for $2 billion. And it's like, okay, great for that person, but I'm still a billionaire. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing okay kind of thing. So he's like, I'm not hating on him because I'm still, you know, I did what I did, you know, and I left it all on the court and I'm still who I am as well. So yeah, but he did say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said that, you know, he regrets that they never really, um, he never really established um, a, you know, relationship with LeBron the way he would have liked to yeah that was on kareem uh kareem is considered aloof and to me he could have reached out you're the elder you could have reached out and i'm sure lebron did but kareem is an, a, a round table discussion okay now we can get into that. and let us move on so we have this thing we call the state <laughs> of the union This was President Joe Biden's third State of the Union. So what did you think about the State of the Union? Well, it's, uh, I I consider the State of the Union the same way, um, I, I, you know, I do it the same way that I do the Grammys. I mean, I, Honestly, I kind of just because it's boring. Like, why do I have to sit through an hour or, you know, and a half of the president talking? It's like and it's all political theater, um, you know, and he's 
on his using it as a bully pulpit to, you know, highlight what he's done or try to, you know, influence. How's that bullying? Just going. No, it's a, it's called a bully pulpit when you have a seat of power where you can. It's like you can speak louder than anyone else, and you get to talk about. You get to center what you want to center. You get to highlight the things that you have done because you're the one that everybody has to listen to. You have you're in the seat of power. So that's what I mean when I say it's he has the bully pulpit where he can kind of publicly um admonish Congress and try to get them to, you know, he'll highlight the uh bills and stuff that he wants them to get on board with to pass and that kind of thing. Let the let the country know, hey, I'm trying to pass this bill and they're holding it up. Here's what I'm trying to do and they're holding it up. You know what I mean? So that's his opportunity to do that. So to me it's a lot of times it's boring. It's like I don't want to sit through all of this. So I'll just wait the next day and see what everybody's talking about. And then I might go back and look at, you know, but this time, because you made me, I went and listened to the whole thing. Um, and I mean, it was, it was the state of the union. And he said that the state of the union is strong. Um, I guess that's debatable. <laughs> you know, with, I mean, he uh, talked about a lot of accomplishment about getting yeah. jobs back here, about opening up industries, about um, lowering insurance for insulin, about, you know, helping people that are on, you know, Medicaid. So I thought he he said a lot. And I think at this state, you acknowledge what's going on because a lot of people don't follow politics. Right. Um, and so I, yeah. They, so, they, yeah, they're going to find the State of the Union uh, like boring. Um, but then people who find it boring and don't listen to politics if you don't engage in politics, then, you know, when things start to happen, it's hard for you to complain about it if you haven't really listened to what's going on in our world. Right. But of course, it's from from his perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could appreciate the things that he did highlight, trying to lower prescription drug prices. I mean, highlighting the fact that there's 12 million new jobs that were created, that unemployment is 3.4%, which is, you know, the lowest it's ever been, it's been in 50 years and that kind of thing. And so it is good to highlight the good things that, that are happening um, in our country. But by the same token, he said that um, the story of the United States is about progress and resilience. And I think he was kind of low key referring to, you know, January 6th, saying that our our democracy is unbroken. Um, yeah, I don't know about that either, but you know, that if, you know, he's the president, he gets to say that's what it is. I think our democracy is fragile, frankly. Um, Why you say that? Well, I mean, because of what happened January 6th. And I, I, I mean, it was an attempt, but they didn't succeed. Not this time. <laughs> and unless they do something that, you know, to to curtail it or, or prevent it, it, it can happen again. And this time they'll be uh, more successful. That's what Marjorie Taylor Greene said. She was like, if I had been leading it, we would have been successful. That's what she said. So anyway, that, you know, so that's we, we can talk about that. That's debatable. I mean, um, but, you know, it was good to hear him say, you know, to suggest that we would have a, a, a an assault weapons ban the way we had back in 1994. Um, when mass shootings were, you know, the, you know, 
mass, we had fewer mass shootings because of the assault weapons ban. And so I think he was just sort of uh, hinting to Congress, hey, maybe we need to do that again. So that was good. Um, I was surprised that he brought up the quote unquote, the talk. And he actually acknowledged that he didn't have to give his children the talk just as um, like, you know, black and brown parents have to give their children the talk. You know, when you when you encounter police, put your hands on a steering wheel. Don't make any sudden moves. You know, speak in soft, dulcet tones. Yes, sir. No, sir. Kind of thing. Um, so I thought I, I thought I gave him credit for for acknowledging that and admitting that. Um, but for me, honestly, as a parent, I have not given my kids the talk. Um, and that's because number one, they're not driving yet. But number two, I think, but as black parents, we, we have to give our, our children a little more credit to be able to look around and see what's happening. We discuss right, you know, issues of racism, um, but I have not, and I don't know if I will give my kids the talk because just like President Biden said, you know, you, he never felt the need to because, you know, white people expect to be treated fairly and expect to be treated in an equitable, you know, manner. And so I feel like if I give my kids the talk, you know, black, if you're black in America, you're already on like 10, you know because you'd like paranoid that something's going to happen because we see it happen all the time. So when you get pulled over, it's like, I don't want it to be a self-fulfilling prophecy for my son to feel like, Oh, they're about to do something to me, you know, and it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy as opposed to him. If you're not doing anything wrong, you're going to be relaxed. You're less likely to be on edge and you're less likely you know, because sometimes if you're on edge, you will make a sudden move that can be misconstrued and then something bad happens. So I'm torn. I'm, I'm not sure whether I'm going to. And I know that might be controversial. I'm not naive. I'm not, you know, my kids know what's happening. You know, they're they're quote unquote woke. But um, I don't I don't know if I'm going to tell them to do all that stuff because they should have an expectation of being treated fairly, just like every other. You citizen. can have an expectation in life and we should. But you and I, we, we talk about race. We talk about white supremacy. Um, you know, that's a beast out there. So I don't if to me. Survive the day. So be on your, your guard. You, I know you're saying it's a shame that we have to uh, talk to our children about this. It's more of a shame that black bodies are being eradicated at the hands of police and for those conservatives listening at the hands of other people, too. Um, I'm and not putting you, Go ahead. I was going to say, and even if you do give the talk, and you're pulled over and you do do everything right, it could still end up bad. Yeah. I would her. err on caution all, all the time. Um, I think if they're looking at uh, your kids been around uh, long enough, they've been looking at the murders that happen. Yeah. Um, I think they'll act accordingly, you know. Right. I don't expect for not hot headed. Exactly. Um, I don't expect for my kids to to be rude to anyone. But it's just Southern. Uh, to me, you have it. So there's no uh, sudden moves that they view as a threat. And so that 
That's why I would have the talk. Like when you tell them to put your, keep your hands out the car or ask them, you know, my wallet is in my glove pocket or my wallet is in my front right pocket. May I reach for it? Or I'd rather you cuff me and take my wallet out of my pocket. When you talk that way to cops, I, I've seen it in my times because since I've been in the state of Texas, I've been stopped a lot. I can't explain it. Um, I'm polite, I'm jolly, I'm calm because I know I haven't done anything. But I have gotten screamed and yelled at by police officers. And my world is is good. You know, um, what, what I'm doing in life, um, I'm enjoying my life. So when I was getting hollered and screamed at by a police officer, I just like, well, let me be quiet because I got to get to my class and teach my class. That was the only thing that was on my mind at that time. I was like, class starts like in 30 minutes. I don't want to sit here and belabor any points with this uh, police official uh, and then show up late to class. So uh, I was good. But if if I was a brother that was going through some traumatic situations, you know, uh, underemployed, money not coming, this, that, and the third, I could have had an attitude and struck out against the the police officer. You know, thank God that wasn't me uh, because he was wrong the way he addressed me. Uh, but I, like I said, I didn't take my hands off the steering wheel. I didn't make any sudden moves. When he asked me for the license and registration, I was like, the registration's in my glove compartment. And I said, my wallet is in my right pocket. And I said, I'd rather you cuff me and take the wallet out. Yourself. He's like, no, I don't, I don't have to do that. You know, I trust you're not going to do anything. And I was cool. I said, okay, well, I'm reaching for my wallet in my right pocket. And I did because uh, Orlando Castile, he had the gun permit. And he told the officer that he was reaching for the permit and the officer still shot him. So Exactly my point. I, yeah. Do everything right and it still end up. But yeah. still error on doing everything right. And then instead of like not doing anything at all. And if you don't know about like, some of these cops have, and you see, have itchy tr trigger fingers or just they want to beat you up, you know. Well, I, isn't it amazing how white people do everything right without getting the talk? It's like an assumption that, you know, they're not going to, that white people don't make sudden moves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't. No, have it's not the, the assumption is they're not viewed as a threat. Right. So they should be yeah. black, black people are represented as criminal. Like I always I, I, I study representation and I say, like, you know, over the past whatever years you have shows like the uh, power, snowfall, um, BMF, Raising King, all these shows that, you know, black folks like and the protagonist is, is a black male criminal. You know, well, that's uh, so why I. That's why I think there shouldn't be any more police stops for yeah, traffic stops. Just let the let the automatic cameras do what they've been doing. So that's how I feel about it. Then we can cut down on all this because it's just not um, and the fewer encounters we have the f hopefully the fewer incidences we'll have. So <clears throat> we all shall right. see. And let us move on. Stop now. Hey.
Okay, so we are getting into our second plug, which is a road. Uh, a lot of devices that we use. This is the pod mic that both Kim and I are using. If you are on uh, YouTube or Twitch, you can see that we both have the microphones. Then Kim was just, Kim was just pointing at <laughs> the uh, the performance studio arm. We just call it the studio arm, the road. Yeah, we both use that. Here's mine. Bring it over. <laughs> I control the show with the Rodecaster 2 Pro. I need some of that tape right now because my show is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Yeah, that looks heavy too. That is the Rode. It's not really heavy. It's just awkward trying to pick it up sometimes. That is the Rodecast. That is what I control the show. That's where you hear all the musical drops and things of that nature. So, yes. Rode is a big part of our production. Um and yeah, we want to give it up to the people from Road, um, if you're starting a podcast, I recommend their brand. That is their brand of the week. And let us move on. Okay. Okay, so we're going to get into, we're going to bring on a special guest um, who always has an interesting opinion. In this time, the topic is around uh, Beyonce's Renaissance ticket prices. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, Beyonce has announced that she's going on a world tour to um, promote her or perform her Renaissance album, uh, for which she won a couple of Grammys. And the ticket prices are, I think the lowest price is like maybe $1,000. So, yeah, we wanted to get uh, Brother Juan Du's opinion about that. Brother Wandu. So, hello, world. Uh, thanks uh, for y'all letting me come on uh, like a Podcast. But, yes, these prices are outrageous. They are. Uh, Beyonce, you're doing your thing. You're a billionaire. Um, but I don't think you need to charge this much for your ticket prices. And, Brother Wandu, where are you from? Brother Juan Du is from the Boogie Down Bronx. Uh, I'm born and raised uh, in the Bronx, but I've been to a lot of places over my time. Uh, I traveled to 
different areas of the globe. Um, so I see what's going on. But here, I'm here to talk about, you know, young black girls wanting to see Queen B and then not affording to see Queen B. Now, a lot of this has to do with the fees and other ticket brokers buying up the ticket and then jacking them up. But I believe Queen B has enough influence to say, hey, y'all need to cut that sugar out. Cut that sugary out. And so when she comes to a, uh, a venue near you, I guess we're not going to see your face up in the place. Well, you know, I, I don't have any kids. Um, Beyonce is, I like her music, uh, but not my full cup of tea. Uh, no diss. Um, I'll have her on when I'm I'm working out. But although I may have the money to purchase some of these tickets, I just think I couldn't do that because there are less fortunate folks that can't afford them. And who are you trying to bring the show to, Queen B? Now, you said all the women are independent. Throw your hands up with you. But you, you ain't making them independent if they come out their pockets with thousands of dollars to pay for your tickets. You making them broke. That's an excellent point, Brother Wandu. And you know, she recently went to Dubai and performed there at the opening of a hotel, and she was paid $24 million for one hour. Did you know that? I do. Uh, I ain't mad at that. That's in Dubai. I'm talking about the brothers and sisters uh, in areas where poverty uh, is, is real big. Yeah. And, you know, Queen B, if she's not a billionaire already, she's close to it. So do a free tour, you know? Be that groundbreaking. Have somebody sponsor the tour. And her husband has a little money, too. Yeah. Um, but his tickets are more reasonable. She, he, he can't charge what she charged. She's the boss. Okay. So, hey, thanks for having me on. Anytime y'all need the opinion of Brother Juan do uh, from the Boogie Down Bronx, you know, just just holler at me. I sure will. Thank you very I much. Went light on, I went light on Queen B today, you know. I didn't want to go off too much, but, you know, just a little chin check for her. <laughs> Let her know, like, lower your prices, sister. Thank you for that interesting perspective. See you next time, Brother Wandu. Be easy. I'm out. Let us move on. It's nice having Brother Wandu. <laughs> We have a question. It's a question. Address the question. This is a question. So what's the question? Answer the question.
Okay, this is a new segment we have. We have, uh, we call it the question. And so our question this week is going to be read to us by the lovely KPJ. And it is. Okay, so our question today is, what is pot liquor and why is it important to drink it? Now, we want, if anybody knows the answer to that, email us at potliquorshow at gmail.com and let us know. If you know, let us know. So every uh, every show we're going to have this segment in is going to become a staple. You get a chance to uh, answer a question and then you'll get a little uh, token of love from, from yeah from pot liquor podcast crew uh we are getting the merchandise in uh and uh we hope that you enjoy it. but we're trying to get y'all involved with the show another way to connect with our listeners and viewers as my partner just say p-o-t-l-i-q-u-o-r show s-h-o-w at gmail.com Email us and answer the question, what is pot liquor and why should you drink it? And why should you drink it? And let us move on. All right. So we move from that to a little-known Black history fact. Indeed, indeed. So in honor of Black History Month, we want to highlight uh, a figure in Black history that is little-known. So today we want to talk about Sarah Rector. Sarah Rector, R-E-C-T-O-R. Sarah Rector was born as the daughter of freedmen in 1902. Sarah Rector rose from humble beginnings to reportedly become the wealthiest Black girl in the nation at the age of 11. That is amazing. Rector and her family were African-American members of the Muskegee Creek Nation who lived in a modest cabin in the predominantly Black town of Taft, Oklahoma, which at the time was considered Indian Territory. Following the Civil War, Rector's parents, who were formerly enslaved by Creek tribe members, were entitled to land allotments under the Dawes Allotment Act of 1887. As a result, hundreds of Black children were each granted 160 acres of land as Indian Territory integrated with Oklahoma Territory to form the state of Oklahoma in 1907. So little Sarah Rector found her success as basically as an oil baron at the age of 12 years old with the 
grants of this land. So land is very important. And Black people in America still waiting for our 40 acres and a mule. What do you think about this? Um, I thought this was a great uh, fact that we presented. Um, I, I knew, of course, I didn't know anything about it. Um, and yeah. I thought that I was like, wow. This, is this should be a movie. Yeah, it, it, I, I would concur with that. And we might actually produce it and, and make it. So stay tuned, guys. Yeah. You know, uh, Dr. A is a multi-talented individual. He's not just a academician <laughs> and a scholar. He is also a filmmaker. That's another little known black history fact. Yeah, a little, a little known is correct. <laughs> a little known is correct. Um, but that that is an interesting deal, you know, given the time, you know. Indeed. Place, you that know. would be difficult to accomplish now. And she did that back in 1913. That's, that's crazy. And this is what I mean by, this is why we need to know our history so that we know what the possibilities are. And our young people realize that this is nothing. This has been done before. So you can do it too. You know what I mean? So it's very inspirational. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but if she, yeah, you're right. If she can do it, others can do it too. So um, they don't want us to learn our history. Like DJ Khaled says, they don't want us to learn. So what are we going to do? We're going <laughs> to learn it. <laughs> DJ Kyler. <laughs> All right, so and let us move on. What are we gonna talk about next? I like, I like, I like it. Okay, so our third plug of the week always is our um, our podcast. And this week's podcast is The Pivot um, with Fred uh, Chandler and Ryan. Uh, it's a sports talk show, but they get into several other issues. I think you should check it out. It's The Pivot. Um, you can find it on Apple Podcasts and other, and other places that um, host a podcast. I think you really enjoy the show. They're very funny. Uh, they're in depth. They're extremely bright and intelligent. And um, I like their point of view. So check it out. It's called The Pivot. All right. Yes. So next up is. And let us move on. Get a Woo! <laughs>
So, our next segment, uh, we're going to get to the riches that we've been um, checking out. We're on episode four. All right. So, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about episode four of The Riches. So, if you have not seen it, turn your radio down because we're about to tell you what happened. About to tell you what had happened. So, what had happened in episode four, it's called The Master's Tools. In this episode, Andre finds an investor for Claudia. Meanwhile, Nina and Claudia vie for shareholders' votes. A damning article leaves Nina and Flair and Glory exposed, and an uncomfortable truth surfaces for Wanda. Um, while Nina continues her search for the missing $20 million from Flair and Glory's account. Yeah, so yeah, I I enjoyed this episode as usual. Um, we found out that Nina is dating one of the shareholders. You know, she's while she's uh busy taking over the world and running this con, con- uh running the company. She's, uh, you know, dating people from a dating app. So one of the guys that she dates ends up being a shareholder of Flair and Glory. And um, so I, I want to talk about like what in this episode made me laugh, what made me cry, what confused me and what I thought was a word from the Lord. So what made me laugh was when Nina was trying to convince Alicia to vote with her and you know vote against this deal where this company ultimate was going to come in and save flair and glory by with this influx of cash of like 150 million dollars in exchange for equity in the company and so nina was trying to convince alicia hey vote with me and let's not do this deal you know let's keep this company in our hands um, and she said to her outside of the meeting, she was like, you need to read an Audrey Lord book <laughs> because, and this was where the word came in. Cause I thought this was a word when she said the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. That was deep. You yeah, know that, I mean? is, that is a um, quote that is used a lot. <clears throat> Uh, we can use that as a wow. What does uh, that mean to you? Uh, that book? Uh, Audrey Lord, um, you can't use it's, it's just like, let, let me since I'm an educator, you can't look at their history books to dismantle um, the history that was done to African Americans because they left it out. So, if you go to books written by uh, uh black authors who engage in uh, their areas of research is in African-American history, transatlantic slave trade, um, Jim Crowism. I'm reading a book right now called Manning the Race that deals with how black men were treated during Jim Crow, uh, how they tried to become the new Negro during this era, but how they were blocked. So you can't use their tools to educate you about your history. Right. Um, so there's a, and there's a lot of different industries you can, uh, used to make an an inept, uh, I mean, an apt al- analogy of Audrey Lord's words. Right. So if you're using their tools, which in this case was 
the ultimate coming in and quote unquote saving flair and glory. So if you use their tools, it's definitely going to work out in their favor, not in your favor. Right. Correct. So, yeah. So that's how I took it. And so yeah, that's a, that that is indeed a word. And then what I didn't really cry, but what was kind of touching was the flashback with Nina and her father when her father said to her, if you keep pushing, nothing is impossible. That really touched me. I like seeing the scenes when they flash back to when she was young and she got to really, you could tell she was a daddy's girl. You know what I mean? She had a really close relationship with her father. Um, they so all that was her out at the meeting. Um, so if you're saying what made me upset or sad, I guess that would be it. When they tried to do what? When they so didn't vote for her. Right. So at, they're all, yeah. Uh, especially the the guy that she was messing with. Um, that was the sad. What what made me laugh is I'm believing this is at four is when they got into the fight, right? Uh who got into a fight? The uh because I don't recall uh, any fights in this episode. And uh no, no, nope. I think you might be jumping. You might be jumping ahead, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Because um, there was a funny line in that one. Uh, <laughs> this is where they had the meeting to vote on whether or not they were going to do the ultimate deal. Yeah, um, I remember that. And that's, yeah, that, that was the sad part about that. Um, yeah. But what confused me a little bit is I don't understand how, I know Claudia and her, you know, some of her kids are trying to plot to get the business back into their hands and away from Nina and Simon as, you know, the ones who own it. But I'm like, how is voting on this other company, this white company to come in and infuse to get this cash, cash infusion? How is that going to get the company back into your hands? You know what I'm saying? Because they're going to be the ones to have the majority of the equity and they will control it. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that um, confused me. I was like, it was a desperate, you know, need. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, she was telling them that Nina was telling them that they shouldn't do it, but they didn't listen to her. So. It right. Is. It's almost like saying, well, you know, as long as you don't have it, we don't want you to have it. You know what I mean? I'd rather for this other, you know, white company to have it than for you to have it. But anyway, yeah. So again, check it out. It was good. You will, I think you'll enjoy it. Let us move on. Oh, hell no. We usually do this two times. Oh, hell oh, no. Oh, hell no other week. It was disastrous. Hmm. Uh, a black face at St. Hubert High School. I think this is right outside of Philadelphia. It's a Catholic private school For uh, video going around. If you look on uh, of a uh, white girl spray painting the face of another white girl and saying things like it's Black History Month, you know. Yeah, you're um, nothing but a slave. Yeah, yeah, you're nothing but a slave. Blah blah blah. And um, they have. They're no longer attending the school right now while it's under investigation, but this was atrocious. And then there's other racial epithets that has been hurled in the direction of black students. So my whole thing is, why would you send your child there? 
Well, I can tell you, I think a lot of parents just are looking at, okay, where can my child get the best? What school has a tradition of academic excellence in my neighborhood? You know? And so when you do the research and you ask around and you look at which schools are going to provide the best academic education, what are my choices? None of them, you know, considering that none of them are going to be perfect. And I think a lot of times, you know, parents end up having a couple of viable options. And some of them are these private, private schools where you're going to have a couple of obnoxious students, you know, and. Yeah, but I, I'm not going to send my child to a school where they're constantly being called a nigger. I don't think I would want to do that either. Yeah. Technically. And I mean, so personally. What, what I heard when, what I read, I should say, when I was looking into this is those racial epithets are hurled at the kids a great deal. So what is it, if that, is that truly an education? If you're sending your child someplace to get traumatized? That seemed like something that you would kind of know beforehand. If that's the word on the street, you, if you would have heard that, you know what I mean? But, they know now. Okay. They know. And this is, and this is, I think a lot of times what these schools are very concerned about. And so that's why they come out with these, statements, you know, um, saying that this is contrary to our values and this is not consistent with what we, you know, what we teach our students because they don't want people to be um, discouraged from applying there or looking at the school. So they use these words, but my thing is, you know, they say this is under investigation. The girls are temporarily suspended or whatever. I think they need to be expelled immediately. If you say that we do not tolerate this behavior, we do not tolerate this language, then that means it's an immediate exposure. It's not, it's not to to me, it not being immediate. If they're suspended and then they're going to be expelled, you're, you're looking. You don't know if they're going to be expelled. That's the thing. Right. But what they have to do is they have to make sure they check with their attorneys to make sure that they can go through the process, it, the freedom of speech, and make sure. I know they have some moral clause in there. I think they said it in the statement where they have to get rid of the individual, but they're also protecting themselves from no lawsuits. Um, they're protecting the institution from that. They but also. You have to, go ahead. But I was going to say, you have to understand that this is not a public school. It's a private school. So they can really, first of all, you didn't have to get accepted. So they have the discretion to not accept you. And they have that same discretion to no, counsel. No one's, we call it, we no call one's it counseling. Arguing. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying you, like, oh, we saw the video, kick them out. They did. They suspended them. But I'm saying when they say it's under investigation, they're making sure they're reading through the language that they presented to these parents what that they signed before they came to school and make okay. sure all their I's are dotted and their T's are crossed. Of course they're going to get expelled. I don't even think the students would want to come back to the school after they did that. You said, of course, they're going to be expelled. I don't think you know that, though. That's the thing. See, this is the, this is the trick, because what they'll do is they'll, they'll say they were suspended, and then they'll take the time. 
wait until the cameras go away, wait until the controversy dies down, and then the kids come back to school quietly. They can't hide it. From the, they can't hide it from other students that thought what they did was atrocious. And I don't think it's only black students that thought what they did was atrocious. I don't think it's only uh, black teachers that thought what they did was atrocious. It was atrocious. Like what they did. If you're saying atrocious. it's not, if you're saying it's not tolerated, that means it's not tolerated. And so if you do it, then you are gone. You got it on video. You're looking at the video. You're like what are you investigating? I, I keep telling you, they're investigating their contract that they have to make sure that they can do this. Okay. You know, because they might be saying, keeps happening. Well, well, because they might say this is the kids were they they the kids were joking around. They were having fun doing innocent stuff. They didn't, you know. I don't know why they put the video out. You know, dumb, right? So, it's but what I'm saying is like all of this has to be addressed. I don't think them saying it's under investigation isn't a ploy to keep them into the school. And I believe if they come back, I'm saying that. The kids themselves shouldn't want to come back to that school. If I did something real bad and atrocious, I'm not coming back to that school. I want to fade away. I don't want what I do want. I don't want other people to know that I'm that individual that's coming to this to a new school. So I can start over with a new slate. <clears throat> well, yeah. So that's why I'm glad that um, they they put their pictures out so that people can see. And I hope this follows them wherever they go. And I'm like, who are who are these kids and who are their parents? Why are they raised like that? Raised like this? I mean, when I was this age, this it never occurred to me to do anything of this nature to be this this racist and offensive. Like you, what else do don't you can't you find something constructive to do with your time? This is this is how you all have fun. Like what what is going on? Okay, so I would say, like, I hope this doesn't follow them. I hope that they learn an incredible lesson. I hope that they change their ways. I hope they get a chance and the opportunity to go on, get educated, get higher education, and maybe go out and speak about what they did in an unfair, maybe become a civil rights attorney. Maybe this will spark you to speak on behalf of uh less you know marginalized uh uh groups so that's what i'm hoping i'm hoping that you know god works in a way that it changes their beliefs and their behavior but the problem is is this is not the first time that something like this has happened and so if you are aware of your surroundings and if you see what's happening what what makes national news and what happens to the people that do this kind of thing, then you would think they would have learned the lesson by now. So the fact that they continue to do it, even though other people have done it and have been canceled and lost all their opportunities, they people keep doing it. So that just tells me that this is who you are. This is who you are. And well, so that more. is a problem. They're, they're, so in, they're I, in high school. They're kids. They're in high school. I don't think they thought what they were doing was going to receive this national attention. Now it does. So if they're still like, you know, F black people and F Hispanic people. Yeah. But I would like to think that they're truly embarrassed by what's going on. They're not truly embarrassed though, Dr. A, because that's why they sent, 
That's why they sent the video. You sent it because, because you did it and you're loud and proud. You, you want to share you, it with the you, world. That's why I you don't put think it they out. Wanted to, I don't think they wanted to share it with the world, and we don't know how it got out there. They sent it. Apparently, they sent it to all the black girls in the school. You see what I'm saying? And one of the aunts of the black girls is the one who put it out. She said, let me show you what is going on at this particular school. So I that's how it school, got. The school needs yeah. to be investigated itself. Y'all, I'm telling you. There's rampant racism going on like that at that institution. It needs to be investigated. You know, I, I, black people is, who are Catholic, you know, they need to come to the carpet and say, why are we supporting this institution if this is going on at this place? So, yeah, I think things need to be done about it. It's not to me. I'm a solutionist. Like, you're right. These things been happening prior to Jim Crow to us. So we can complain about it. But to me, it's moves and steps we do to eradicate it. Right. So suspending those girls from school is good. Hopefully, like I said, they go to another institution and, you know, things work out different from them. Imagine what we could do as black people in this country if we didn't have to play whack-a-mole to all these racist incidents. It's like, OK, boom, this one happened. You whack it. You turn around. This one popping up. You got to whack that. This one popping up. You got to whack that. It's like our attention well, is taken away from being productive citizens. Well, and just Marcus Garvey, who prospering Marcus and Garvey, doing what we got to do. And Marcus Garvey in the back in the beginning in the 20s when he had the largest black movement ever, United Negro uh, Improvement, Improvement Association, the UNIA, got together and he was just like, let's worry about ourselves. He was teaching black nationalism, you know, right, uh, right, but we don't yeah. have that. We have a lot of people because we're all indoctrinated under white supremacy that believe that their pattern of life and their behavior following behind uh, hegemonic, you know, white maleness is the correct way to go about and conduct yourself. Um, so yeah, we're going to have some people that are, are fighting for that, but a united front is what, is what we, um, yeah. uh, we seem to not have, we seem to not have that though. And let us move on. Give it up, give it up, give it up, yo. Okay, we're going to give it up to LeBron James and Beyonce Knowles or Beyonce Carter. Excuse me if I'm doing that wrong or Knowles Carter. <laughs> hey, Miss Carter. Um, so LeBron James, as we discussed earlier, uh, uh, surpassed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Now he is the all-time uh, points leader in the NBA. And Beyonce Knowles set a record for most Grammys by an artist. Uh, and I think that I believe that number is 32. Um, so yeah, let's give it up to both of them, uh, LeBron and applause, applause. Congratulations, congratulations. That's awesome. Nice. Okay, so. That concludes our show today. As always, we do a recap of the show. And our plugs was KT Pro Wide Tape, 
it was road that we use here at Pollock Podcast. And our podcast was The Pivot. We covered the Super Bowl and halftime and the other performances that went on. Uh, we took a look at the Grammys, uh, LeBron James uh, breaking uh, the scoring record, and the State of the Union by Joe Biden. Uh, Brother Juan do stopped by to give us his opinion on Beyonce's ticket prices. Uh, we had the weekly question, what is pot liquor and why should you drink it? Uh, little known black history fact, Sarah Rector, 11-year-old millionaire. Um, we had a refill on The Riches, episode four, and I All Hell Know was the blackface video from St. Huey Catholic High School. I think that's outside of Philadelphia. And you got to give it up, went to LeBron James and Beyonce. That is our show for the week. And as Brother Doc Cornelius used to do at the end of Soul Train. Thank you so much, everybody, for taking time out of your day to hang out with us for a little while. And in parting, we wish you love, peace, and soul. And so remember to check us out at potliquorpodcast.podbean.com and you can email us at potliquorshow at gmail.com. Thanks for riding along with us and we'll see you next week.